This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. Today we're going to be talking about the great American hoax of retirement. And what do I mean by that? Well, growing up I heard that what life was about was you work hard, go to school, go to college, get a good job, be done around your early 60s and then take your quote-unquote golden years, whatever that means, because in those years toward the end the body starts coming up unglued, but... But spend the last 15, 20 years of your life just kind of traveling or having fun or doing whatever you want to do. But um, how does that hold up with Scripture? And I'm going to begin with a quote from John Piper. And many of you know him. He's a top-notch theologian, pastor, and he writes, Live dangerously for God, for the one who loved you and died for you. Don't throw your away. Don't throw your life away on the American dream of retirement. So what do we see in Scripture? Well, Caleb in the Old Testament was 85 years old, and he was still taking new ground for the people of Israel. Luke 2, we see Anna, a prophetess, 84 years old, spending time at the temple, worshiping and praying and fasting night and day. The woman was a big-time prayer warrior. And then Psalm 92 I'm going to read, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness with him. So that's on the positive side. We're giving pictures on making our life count for eternity until the very end. And we do have one terrifying parable, the uh, story of the rich man who said, um, I produce plentifully and I'm going to build new barns and enjoy myself, eat, drink, and be merry. And then God said, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then there's a parable of the talents which talks about how we invest our time. So uh, I see no justification for spending the last 10, 15, 20 years of our life puttering around the house or going and traveling and just focusing solely on our own comfort. That doesn't mean we can't do those things, but those are not. If we want to make our life count for eternity, those are not the things we focus on. So... Around 20 years ago, when I lived in Colorado Springs, I met this guy named Kurt Douglas. He was in his 60s at the time, and Kurt had a ministry going into prisons and writing inmates and 
and a ministry to sex offenders, you know, those who have been kind of forgotten and shoved off to the side. And and then when I moved out here to Arizona in 2020, Kurt at the time was living out here and we met for lunch and he's in his 80s now and he told me how he was leading three Bible studies in his home and I'm looking at him in wonder because that's the time when most people are like, you know, when you're in your 80s, you're just kind of not doing a whole lot, but Kurt's going all out and he participates in our Wednesday Zoom prayer groups. So, Kurt, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. So, hey, why don't we start in having you take a few moments and tell us uh, what your ministry to inmates was like and in going into prison. Yeah, I, I, uh, I must say first that I remember back to the time uh, my boss called me in and said, uh, Kurt, you're doing a good job. Uh, come on back in a week and we'll set some goals for next year. And I went back a week later and uh, I said, boss, I got two goals, golfing and fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my two months notice. I'm retiring. Uh, and I guess that's the typical way. I, but I, I guess God uh, led me in other directions, and uh, I'm just so thankful. Uh, the things I got to do uh, are better than any hole-in-one I could ever have gotten on the golf course or any 10-pound bass I could ever have gotten. Uh, God sort of showed me that uh, I'm not sure he even knows the word retirement. You know, he, He'd rather use the word reassignment. And uh, I've been reassigned to some areas that have been truly amazing and some of the most exciting things in my life. Mm. I, I, I got involved in uh, a, uh, a, a church group that was a mission, mission group that was uh, helping needy people that needed rent and utilities, and we only had 13 churches supporting us, and people lined up at the door and I was able to be part of growing that to 35 churches supporting and expanding the, the ministry to where not only were we providing uh, rental assistance and utility assistance, but we were praying for each of the people. I, uh, I got involved in a prison ministry, as you said, where uh, we found they didn't have Christian books in prisons. And uh, I was challenged to come up with libraries of 30 to 35 books. And I remember one prison, one uh, author I called up and I asked for some, donate some books to us because we didn't have a lot of money. And he said, uh, sorry, we don't do that. And then uh, next week that ministry called me up and said, Somebody just called up and wanted to put $10,000 worth of Neil's books into prison. We don't know how to do that. <laughs> you do that. Can, can I send you 20 cases of his books? Hmm. And another time, uh, somebody called up from Chicago uh, and said, we just had a citywide drive, and uh, we've got an extra truckload of books, uh, Christian books. Could we, uh, if you pay for the driver, we'll send them out to you. So... God was behind, amazing what he did, and we ended up putting Christian books, libraries, into uh, maybe 200 prisons a year. Mm. And what age were you at that point? Oh, seven, early 70s. <laughs> wow. 
And, and I'm still active. I'm 83 today. I'm back in uh, in Colorado Springs, and I've met a group of people who are uh, working with helping people overcome uh, addictions. And I'm part of bringing the program into prisons where we uh, send a lesson into the inmate. He sends it back. We give him our comments and send him the next lesson. And, I mean, it's just exploding here in Colorado, our focus area, and um, throughout the rest of the country. So, I mean, God is at work, and people are crying for help. Mm. What has been your experience with sex offenders? Um, my biggest experience happened when I was, uh, when an inmate one time asked me to come and speak at his yard. And uh, I called the chaplain, and I, I set up the meeting, and he said, uh, we actually have close to 5,000 men here, uh, six yards. Why don't you come and spend uh, two or three days and talk to each yard? Wow. So I did that, and uh, the last yard I talked to was a yard uh, strictly for men who had committed a sexual offense. And when when I was done, one, one man came up to me, you know, and he said, uh, Kurt, I see you're from blah, blah, blah. I won't name the town. Uh, my father's a pastor there. He hasn't spoken to me for four years. Would you just tell him I'm doing okay? So when I got home, I went and I visited the pastor. He didn't want to hear a thing about his son. He just wanted to tell me what a great church he had and how I should really start coming to his church and I think God was showing me there the need for people to to help the sex offender, to help the repentant sex offender. So I, I looked around and I, I came across a program called Circles of Support and Accountability, COSA. It's a program that's all over Canada, all over England, in several of the European countries, but has really done little here. It's active in Air, in uh, California, active in Vermont, uh, but nowhere else. The program involves one or two Christian men sitting down with a repentant sex offender getting out of prison maybe one or two hours a week for a year, uh, both accountability and support. Certainly the accountability and holding them them to doing the right things, but also support because they're, they're so much on their own. And uh, if there's one thing the repentant sex offender calls out for, and the one thing he needs the most is, is support. Um, I was able to get that program started here in Colorado. Uh, my church, I spoke to the men's group and seven men volunteered to help. And other men started coming out of the woodwork, and, and we got a great program going. Uh, I found a house that was strictly for people that had committed a sexual offense, so there was people we could work with. Uh, the parole officers heard about what we were doing, and, and they'd call me up and say, uh, Kurt, here's a real good person coming out of prison. We know how hard it is. Could you get him into your program? So. 
we were able to run 33 of those circles here in Colorado over the next three or four years, and, and not one man of those, and there was a couple women, not one of those 33 uh, ever reoffended sexually or ever ended up going back to prison. Hmm. So what are the keys to them healing and being restored? Jesus Christ. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, for them to to know how much God loves them cuz they're they're they just see a world that's against them. We you know, just to start with, you know, what do we call them? Sex offenders. They're not sex offenders. They're a, a person who committed a sexual offense. We just so easily label uh, people thing, and uh, that's what we do to these men. And their reputation precedes them. Uh, when they get out of prison, they uh, have to see a parole officer periodically. Uh, in many states, they have to see a therapist every week, $70. They have to pay that themselves. Finding a job and, and those kind of situations are pretty difficult. And, and like I said, most important, uh, just to provide somebody around them that, that seems to care for them. They're, they're the outcasts. They're the lepers of today. Well, <clears throat> I believe fully that Jesus came to set captives free, and that includes people who sec- or sex offenders. And what is a sex offender? It's somebody who got caught in a bear trap of lust and crossed the line and took another step. I mean, you have two-thirds of Christian men viewing porn. And no guy ever wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to do something that's going to be tragic and I'm going to do something to hurt a teenage girl or whatever it is today because I really want to screw up my life. And that that's the tragedy of this. And there are valid concerns on both sides because I was molested m- myself too. And so how do you thread the needle with wanting to and needing to restore broken men who have been in prison with providing safety in the church? Wow. That's a big question. And and that's a question that uh, the church hasn't really looked at. Uh, like I said, I, I've known uh, many uh, men who just need the support. And, and the, where is the church been? I remember when I was trying to uh, implement the sect circles of circles of support and accountability in Arizona. I remember a couple pastors that I went to looking for support, and they said, uh, Kurt, that's a great program you got. You know, there's this guy who's been coming to my church that's a sex offender. Could you take him into your program so that uh, he doesn't come here? I mean, it's sad. Uh, Jesus, uh, how did he treat the repentance a thief on the cross. He said, this day you will be with me in heaven. Mm. He reached out to the leper. Uh, yet, you're right. There's there's another side to the coin. Uh, an equally important side. I, I know a man uh, 
his 13-year-old daughter was taken off the streets of Woodland Park, where I was living, and uh, taken to another state by two men and for two months, uh, just repeatedly raped. Mm. Uh, there's some very terrible people out there that we have to prevent our, uh, uh, protect our families from. It's it's such a hard issue uh, to be open to them, yet to be protective. Mm. Well, I think ultimately it goes down to having a prayer meeting and saying, okay, Lord, we've got this need on both sides. What do you want us to do? You promised to give us wisdom in every situation. Lord, what, do you, what is your answer and what is your solution? So, um, and, and on that note, Kurt... Talk about prayer. How important and how critical is prayer to everything, not just ministering to inmates, but in the church as a whole? Prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. Um, Some of these situations that I've talked about and we come to deal with, uh, we think we know the answers. We think we have a way and what do they say? We plan and God laughs. <laughs> so many things I've tried to do on my own, I've been uh, unsuccessful. Uh, yet, when I, when I go to the Lord in prayer, when I go to the Lord in prayer, uh, how He always seems to come through with the answer. Mm-hmm. Prayer is so important. For us to pray and to ask for prayer, I know I had some uh, tough things happening in the last couple days, and and I was uh, I was feeling pretty down, and I was worried about uh, this meeting. And uh, I, I have uh, a couple groups that I'm involved with. I, we'll talk later about the prayer group that that. Uh, uh, you, you have, Mike, that I'm involved in that's so wonderful. But I have a couple other groups that I'm involved in, and I just sent an email out to it and uh, told the people uh, that I was a little frustrated, a little discouraged. And, you know, within minutes I was getting all these response back. You know, God's in charge. We're praying for you. And, and my, my attitude just changed overnight. I mean, just changed instantly. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to be here to talking with you, whereas maybe four or five hours ago I was saying, I don't know if I really want to do that <laughs> because of the way I'm feeling, you know. So it's both us praying for our needs, but, but also reaching out and, and being open and talking about uh, the things that bother us and asking us to pray for ourselves. Hmm. What is your take on why the modern American church is not a house of prayer? And I've been, we've been here two years, and we visit a lot of churches, and most of them do not have prayer meetings. What do you think's going on there? Well, I, I you know, I, I think some of the better churches that I can remember were some of the smaller churches. I'm not against the mega church uh, concept. Uh, but uh, it, it seems like since we've 
uh, moved more towards this megachurch movement. Uh, we've moved uh, away from the basics of getting to know each other, praying for each other, uh, and maybe more into uh, what are the more glamorous events we can put on. You know, we become more of a seeker-friendly church, yet, you know, is that working? No. I mean, obviously, uh, for 40 years ago, 90% of people in this country said they were Christian. Today, we're, what, 62% people will say they're Christian. So I remember back in my old days when I played tennis, there was, uh, if your game's working, keep doing it. If it's not working, change. And mm. seems like the... Uh, the system in the church today is not working, and we must be open to change. And, and what is that change? The only way we'll find that change is to turn to the Lord in prayer. Mm. So if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will seek their face and heal their land. Well said. So, um, and I'm right there with you on that. And so... Share some of what you see on the Wednesday morning prayer Zoom meeting. Um, that's a, that's another amazing thing. Uh, I meet every Wednesday morning. There's fellas from and a lady from uh, maybe four or five different states. There's a man from Germany. There's a man from Wales. So we uh, we do it by Zoom. Uh, Tim, our leader, has a Bible reading for us and a topic that goes along with that. But but we just let the Holy Spirit lead us, whichever way he wants us to go. We, we're open to each other about what's going on in our life, so we can pray for each other, and we can also pray for this country. Mm. Uh, I'm I just amazing how I've grown. And uh, people should certainly should join. I, I think last week we had two new people that joined, and I mean, I could just see as the meeting went on how how happy they were to be in this community. But I also could see that they were bringing something to that meeting. You know, the meeting was better than, as great as it had been last week, it was even better this week because of new new people that had joined the group. And so if you're listening, that Wednesday morning Zoom prayer group Kurt is referencing to, you can join, and it's free. There's no cost. And it begins 9 a.m. Central Time every Wednesday. And I show up and participate, too, and Kurt's in it. So we would love to have you. And so, Kurt, we got a minute left. Anything you want to say? There's lots of things you could do to help the sex offender, the person who committed a sexual offense. Start a COSA. Can your church have room to start a service in some evening just for men who have this effect? Uh, find a way to start a halfway house for those people getting out of prison. There's positive ways. Yes, we have to be protective, but there's positive ways. Ask God how He can, you can help. Well, amen, brother, and I love it, and I want to reiterate to our listeners again, Kurt is in his 80s and making a difference and pouring his life out 
So I'm going to encourage and challenge all of you to do the same. Set aside the whole idea that there is any such thing as spiritual retirement. There is none justified in Scripture. Let's go all the way with God until the end. So, Kurt, my friend, thank you very much. This was great. And we'll talk to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.